You are listening to Geek Fest Rants on the IC Robots Radio Network. You have located Geek Fest Rants, the entertainment podcast for genre geeks like you. Shall we play a game? Covering the world of vintage and current film and television since 2010. Game over, man. Game over. Featuring in-depth conversations on sci-fi, horror, fantasy, comics, toys, and conventions. So say we all. So say we all. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy today's show. everybody and welcome once again to GeekFest Rant. My name is Carlos Perón and today we are going to look at the state of collecting. The landscape keeps changing in terms of how we individually do our collecting and where do we buy things, how do we find them and that sort of thing. And today Steve Folks will be joining me once again and we're going to kind of compare and contrast our different methods of collecting since we kind of both started at two different times in terms of our age and you know what period of time we were starting collecting at. Mine goes back a little further than his, but if there's one thing that we do have in common is the direction where all this is heading because we're in a completely different world now in terms of where to buy things and we are going to try to theorize on where things could be going. So let's get started with the state of collecting. You can collect them all. Batteries not included. Just get those wonderful toys. Details on specially marked packages at participating stores. Is that the six million dollar man's boss? It's Oscar Goldman. Why do you have that? That's worth a lot of money. That's much more valuable than Steve Austin. Action figures each sold separately. Hi, I'm Chucky, and I'm your friend to the end. Some assembly required. All your favorite Star Wars heroes and villains. I have three of each. One to display, one to open, and one just in case. All right, everybody. Once again, I have Steve here joining me. Hi, Steve. How are you? Hey, Carlos. Hey, everyone. How are you doing? Good, good, good. Today, we are going to be hitting toy collecting or collecting in general, any kind of genre material that we're into collecting. And we're going to try to look at the state of collecting and how it stands right now. As far as I can tell, things have been changing so much very recently with, with you know certain major toy retailers going under. But, you know, depending on how old you are, you will have seen the whole toy market change so many times. Like, for example, when when I was like, I don't know, uh, a, a teenager, let's say, when I was getting, you know, my Star Wars fix, uh, let's say from the age of like 10 onward, this is 1980 I'm talking about. Uh, this is back when I lived in New York City in Queens. And in Jackson Heights, uh, I might have mentioned this once before. First of all, I-, I had no access to chain toy stores. Places like Toys R Us uh, were either too far away from me. You know, if I couldn't walk to them, 
I couldn't go, basically. So, you know, I wasn't about to take the subway or the train or a bus to go to a toy store, a 10-year-old kid. Even back then, I don't think it was safe anyway. <laughs> but uh, the, the closest I could get to a toy store was a place called Toy City. And it was, it was a large, you know, brick-and-mortar store that specialized in mainly toys, but they, are, they also had, like, RPG supplies, models, trains, uh, sporting equipment, you know, it kind of did everything under one roof. And it was, I imagine, kind of like a, like a mom and pop shop. It was, it, it wasn't a chain. So that was like the place to go. And for a pretty long time, that, that was like the only place I could find stuff because I don't remember having very small toy stores anywhere. It was just that one big one. And not until I started going to conventions. Did I now get exposed to the dealer room? And all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Now there's stuff that is specifically, super specifically, what I'm looking for. So I could kind of bounce back and forth between those two sources. Now, what about you? What was your first access to uh, to toys, let's say? Well, I think my, my first access to toys was Christmas Day, right? So, oh, so, okay. Well, yeah, so, there so, you go. So, but I, I'm not going to include anything you know, too early because that, that wasn't really – you know, intentionally me going out and, and you know, and finding stuff. That was stuff uh-huh. that fell into my lap. So I'll, I'll go a bit past that. My first real, uh, when, I, when I first kind of opened my eyes to, you know, collecting and going out of my way to find things was here. And, you, and, you, and, you, and you, you were in Jersey, so I'm not sure if you ran into this, but, um, you know, we have a lot of malls here. Oh, so yeah. a lot, So a lot of times on, like, Saturdays and Sundays, there'd be, like, collectors who'd come and put out tables all, all on the, inside the mall and they, okay. would sell, they would sell, you know, like sports stuff or comic books and, and action figures. And so th- this happened maybe um, maybe like three times a year or so. And it was nothing I planned for, but we'd, my, my, my mother and I would always go to the malls. So we would, we, we would always stumble upon these, you know, uh, we used to always stumble on these events. And so uh, I started, you know, getting the schedule when they would, you know, come about. And they always have, you know, like Star Wars action figures I would love. And so I remember um, getting like a old, like, a, like a, an original C3PO, R2D2, and Obi Wan Kenobi. They were in various. They were in pretty bad shape. They were like wow. uh, I, I remember the, the C3PO had like teeth marks. It looked like a dog <laughs> had, had chewed it. <laughs> but, uh, but that was my that was my first real entry into um, wanting to sort of like complete a set of something or go on my way to find something you know okay yeah so and i was also lucky enough to have a toys r us maybe you know two minutes from my house so yeah yeah well, so yeah, I, I, I was in a very good area for sort of collecting i was surrounded by malls and surrounded by bigger chain stores so you know but, but like, as you as, as we're sort of going to be hinting toward all that is sort of kind of changing now where you know the big box stores, like well, the big at least you know one of our major retailers of for toys, you know doesn't really exist here anymore. And as well as mall, I think malls in general, like like, like what I was describing earlier, the the vendors that would come set up, that doesn't even happen anymore. Really? I, 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 yeah, I'm not sure if, they, if if the mall sort of say, you know, no, you guys aren't allowed here anymore, or maybe there wasn't, <laughs> maybe there wasn't enough, you know, um, some sort of contract fell through or something, but that's gone and uh, the you know toys r us is no longer with us so yeah but that's how i got started at least well i i do remember you know when i when i eventually moved to jersey yes that sometimes when we would visit a mall and yeah they would have that but i mainly remember like uh, uh sports memorabilia uh sports cards that kind of thing where they would set up a, a big square let's say and you would just walk up and down the aisles and all of a sudden you can you know you can go around that stuff but i 
I like to mention something else. And again, w- once we deal with the internet, that that's a monster. That exploded everything. Once you throw eBay in the mix, forget it. Everything goes out the window and Amazon and stuff like that. But even before we even reach that era, that time, which I imagine would be like the, the late 90s, because really when the internet, as far as I can remember, when it really got you know, hot and heavy was the late 90s. But before that, still in the 80s, while I was talking about earlier, there was there was a couple of other sources that were a little a little dicey. One of them was, you know, I was a big collector of Starlog magazine. And in the oh, back yeah. of Starlog magazine in the classifieds, you would have uh, classified places. You know, you would have uh, addresses of places all over the country. And some of them were actually stores within, you know, from Starlog itself. They would have their own magazine uh, selling thing or, or poster selling thing. So I remember I would order stuff directly, you know, from, from Starlog sometimes. And sometimes I would find other people that were selling stuff. And I remember you would, like, you would, se- you would send them, like, a check for a dollar and they would send you a catalog and then you would take that catalog and thumb through the catalog and then order directly from them but it was so primitive back then that it was I, I know it's ridiculous because that's probably how it was done for the previous 50 years but yeah you would mail it in and they would send it to you and then you would start a a relationship if you will a, a purchasing relationship with that individual and some of those places because it was new york and especially new york city the addresses would be there so you can go visit their store and you know I remember, uh, I believe that's how I found there was a poster place somewhere in Manhattan, this little rinky little area where you had to kind of go down the steps almost into a basement to get into the poster store. And that's where I got my Raiders of the Lost Ark poster and my Star Wars. I think it was like the re-re-re-release that had the, uh, the Revenge of the Jedi banner in the bottom, my Robocop poster, my Predator poster, all those 80s posters. I remember, I'm pretty sure it came through one of those uh, classified ads. Now... <laughs> Even before, like I said, the internet, I wasn't involved because I never was in the internet that early. I didn't jump on the internet probably till 1996, I would say, because that's when I started working uh, at a company that gave everybody internet access at the company. And it was, you know, it was insane. But I do remember um, a friend of mine who, who would always tell me that even in the, in the early 90s, there were these, uh, I think he called them usernet uh, groups like oh, internet, yeah. like that. a pre where you can use that. That's it, and you can kind of connect with people, and they would sell stuff. You know, they would have stuff for sale, and you would. That's how you would make those connections. I don't think you could even look at pictures of anything. I think it was just. It was almost like a gigantic uh, text mail uh, system where you would just chat, chat, chat and exchange, you know, information. But I never jumped on that. But I do remember some people telling me that that was another method of of, of getting stuff, again, before the Internet. Now, again, because you're younger than me, did you start right off the bat with the Internet being available as a source of other places to shop? Yeah, it had to have been because from when I started, you know, not even seriously collecting, though, but when I just started, you know, shopping around for you know, for toys or action mm-hmm. figures or, or or comic books, all all the stuff that I would would uh, was trying to get would be in the you know the bigger stores like the Toys R Us or or my local comic book store. So when and when we first got the internet, we got it vaguely. Uh, I, I quote unquote know early. We we got America Online around. Oh yeah, uh, yep, yeah. Yep. We got we got uh, we got America Online around. I want to say ninety four, ninety five. That's pretty um, early. That's pretty that's good. Pretty early, yeah. And, and I, I remember we got the little floppy disks. We had to put oh, in. Yeah. But um, 
but that when we had it, I was a kid, so uh, we weren't definitely doing any shopping. We were basically just you know <laughs> we, we had we, we would go to like a, a kids chat room or something. So, but as I got older, later on, it, the internet definitely became something where I, it would be the biggest alternative to finding things I was looking for when I was younger. Rather, most of it was just through comic book shops. I, I had two near me, so a lot of it was still I could actually go to a physical place and look around for things rather than. You know, and like you were saying about, you know, using it and everything. Yeah, th- that was all like text based. There is no real like, you know, it, it looked very, very different than than how we picture, you know, the Internet, you know, looking now. Yeah, I know. And even, uh, you know, I'm trying to remember as far as like Toys R Us goes, you know, once once uh, those initial stores that I was talking about earlier closed down and disappeared. Again, my, my main source was conventions. I, I did a lot of conventions in the 80s. And it was great because it was so specific as to exactly what I was looking for. Whatever crazy thing I was into, Star Wars, Star Trek, Babylon 5, you name it, that was the place where stuff would appear. And it's like, oh my God, I never knew this existed. And, you know, that kind of stuff. I would say I probably didn't jump onto a Toys R Us kind of store. Uh, let me just think for a minute. I probably was still living in New York, uh, in, in Queens. Uh, and, and there were a couple of Toys R Uses that popped up around there. And I started going to those. But I remember at the same time as that's happening, people would always talk about Walmart. Hey, the Walmart, Walmart has this and Walmart has that and Walmart has this. But in the area that I lived, even up to the point where I moved to Jersey, in this northern part of Jersey, there were still no Walmarts close by. Most of the Walmarts were slightly, you know, South Jersey, Central Jersey, but they haven't really made it all the way to the north part of Walmart until... I think that's that's definitely changed. Yeah, (laughs) no. And right around, I think maybe a couple of years before I... I left Jersey. Uh, that's when they started popping up all over the place. You know, they they were they were swarming in the, on the north side of Jersey. Uh, but I was completely cut off from Walmart for a long time, and I, I couldn't understand. I I mean, I, I had a Kmart, and I'm like, well, what's a Walmart? It's it's like a Kmart, but it's a lot bigger and has more stuff. Is that is that what a Walmart <laughs> is? And and yeah, that's basically what it was. I did have, like I said, I did have a Kmart, so I had a you know, I, I got used to the idea of a of an everything store that had a little toy section to it so i kind of understood the concept same thing with target you know it's a bi- it's a big store that has everything but they have the little toy section but even while let's say i was in college so i'm talking about late 80s into the early 90s toys r us was probably my main source uh, and that would be followed by kb which i'm sure you're familiar with kb that those, oh, yes, those yes, were yes, in yes. every single mall Every mall, yeah, 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 and that's right. And and uh, I actually slipped my mind as well. Um, KB's, yeah, was definitely a, a big player because again, I, I we hang out be in the mall so much. KB's Toys was huge, actually. Um, in fact, I would I would say actually KB Toys was actually probably more influential in my collecting than Toys R Us was, only because you know I was in it was in malls so much, and they were, and they were literally in every mall. So so and they, and they had like not cheaper prices necessarily but they had sort of a different selection necessarily than than what toys r us i remember having because toys r us had like more like the the big pieces like kind of like you know the the more general stuff that most yeah. people would would buy kb's for whatever reason it had i mean the same type of things but slightly other products that you might be harder to find especially when you compare it to like target or walmart where those type of stores, they have a very limited selection to what they actually carry. Yeah. You know, you're getting a small little chunk of a toy a t- toy area, 
as opposed to KB's, which would you know specialize and focus on. Yeah, on K- toy. yeah, KB was kind of weird because, first of all, like you said, because they were in the mall, you know, I had so much access because, like, every day at work or, or or wherever I was, whether in school or work, you go to the mall for lunch, and there's KB. So you you it's part of your daily routine of of check you know checking those aisles to see what they had. And yeah, the thing about KB I remember the most was the movie the McFarlane movie maniacs because I used to collect those like crazy and that was the thing about KB is that they they did uh, have sections of very specialized lines that were not that widely distributed in a bigger store like a Toys R Us they all of a sudden you find like oh my god these and and even some exclusives I think at that at that point we were still dealing with certain stores uh, having exclusives only at a certain store so there was a special aspect to KB. Now, granted, with KB, I don't remember seeing like an entire wall of like Star Wars figures or Star Wars section. Everything would be a lot more compact, but it, it seemed like there was more of a selection, even though it was more compact. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I got that feeling as well. And, and another thing about KBs is I noticed, I'm not sure, let me know if you found the same thing. From KB to KBs, they had different like like one KB's one KB's felt like it had a certain type of selection, and if you go to another KB's, mm-hmm. it felt like, like it would have the same things, obviously, but it felt like it would have it would be more varied from KB to KB's. <laughs> if that makes any sense, and as opposed to if you go to Toys R Us, where if you go to one Toys R Us, you're going to generally see the same exact yeah. line. Yeah, they're more uniform. Yeah, if, yeah, yeah, it's more uniform. But it seemed like, and, and you know, I'm not sure why, but it seemed like with KB's. Um, each store had more of like a maybe a, a specific hand on to what they actually ordered or if, if they can order maybe a certain amount of one thing. It just felt like each store had, had a more of a variation between the two yeah. as opposed to like two different uh, Toys R Us's. The worst thing I think would be around Christmas time where the malls would dedicate a store to, for example, a, a KB outlet. So it wasn't like KB quality, top notch material, but like the leftovers from the previous year. And same thing with yeah. Toys R Us. They would have a Christmas store in a mall out of all places, but it would be like junky stuff. It was like, what's this? This is not the real stuff. It's like, what's going <laughs> on here? But yeah, that that was, uh, you know, again, that and, and again, around that time, I would say is when when the Internet just exploded and eBay, I would say, would be the first thing because eBay was just a monster and it's still a monster. I still get a lot of stuff from eBay, you know, left and right. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, because I kind of stopped going to conventions with the frequency that I was going in the past, eBay became the place where you just think of something and you just type it up and there it is. Some wacko somewhere has it for sale and you're looking for it. It's incredible. And Amazon, similarly too, obviously, it's a little more expensive because you're not really bidding for something, but... The selection is just incredible, what's out there. And I would say now that Toys R Us is official, I mean, KB's been gone for a while now. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I think KB's was, was like the first casualty. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, and when eBay and Amazon, you know, they fired their opening oh, shots, yeah. I think KB's was the first to fall. Yeah, KB was one of the first. I remember there was another toy store called Toy World or Child's World. And I remember seeing commercials, but I don't remember if it was a franchise. Maybe it was just a gigantic mom and pop store that could afford commercials. But I do remember Child World being advertised on TV for some reason. But I've never, I never had a chance to go to that one. But yeah, once KB went down, and now that uh, Toys R Us went down, all that's left really, if you want to go to a store, you know, your your top tier places, I would say, would be Walmart and Target. That's the only place you can find toys. 
you know, <laughs> an area in the store with toys. But then you have your 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 second tier, like your your Game Stops, your your FY uh, FYI or, or FYE, the you know where they sell video games and, and records and records uh, CDs. Actually, they do sell records now. They do sell records yeah. Um, yeah. and stuff like that. But I, I you know, can you think of any other? conceivable place like i remember suncoast video i used to go to suncoast video and they used to have a toy section uh, amongst all the videos but i think suncoast also went on there too yeah you know yeah suncoast is long gone but that's another guess another great one where i remember i got uh about 97 when the, when the star wars um re-releases were coming out suncoast had a huge selection of star wars figures mm. and i, I want to say it was still kenner at the time that, that did that did them um... well yeah when star wars switched from kenner to there was a period where it was it was both it was kenner hasbro and then hasbro fully took over and they they completely gotcha. faded kenner out of the picture yeah kenner out yeah because I, I think at that time it's still i still remember the, the kenner branding on them yes. but there was a bunch of star wars figures in in suncoast and that was another place where, again, I would go back to and find, you know, different, like, little small, like, figures and everything. Uh, and, and they had a, a very specific, very, very specific, you know, toy section. Obviously, it was focused on movies. Yeah. Because Sunkos was, yeah, like all movies. The only other really one I can think of is FAO Swartz. But that, oh. that's... But that was, like, a high-scale, very expensive... Yeah, that, that was more up... Yeah. yeah. That, 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 was, that, was, that was, like, a connoisseur of toys. If you, if you oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, besides that, there was nothing really right now besides that. No, I mean, not not really. I mean, again, uh, if you want to see the, a dealer room, you can still see it. If you go to a convention, you know, if you go to your Comic-Cons or whatever, you're going to have that gigantic dealer room. So it's a good experience to be able to see product right there in front of you. Granted, you're going to most likely be paying through the roof because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's convention prices. But... Yeah, I mean, other than Walmart and Target, you're you're really it's a little more difficult now. And the thing is also that you know even at the height of popularity for these kind of stores, whether it's Toys R Us or or, or KB, there were always distribution problems. The you know especially Hasbro. I mean, I've been reading about distribution problems for decades now. And, you know, people would always complain and they were a lot of times were right. You know, a certain wave of action figures would come out and the, and the store wouldn't have it or they would only have so little that by the time you get there, everything's sold out. And the, you know, the, the people that are buying would be very upset and then you would have to resort to going to eBay and paying even more for it. And even up to this point, they're still having issues with, with distribution. Now, granted, by not having a Toys R Us around, I imagine that has to be hurting you know all these manufacturers hasbro for example you know i don't know what percentage of their of their sales would come out of something like a toys r us i would imagine a big gigantic chunk of that would come from there and i i can't tell you that all of a sudden is walmart picking up the slack or is, is target picking up that slack i don't think so i think they're still they're still ordering what they normally would have ordered and now the rest of that stuff it goes out the window yeah i i have noticed that actually the target near me they have expanded their their i know that their Lego section and oh. their their dedicated like action figure, kind of generic action figure yeah. section, ha- has increased post uh, Toys R Us. So I think they, I think some stores are trying to pick up the slack, but I, I think that's probably more towards you know like the bigger stores, yeah. like you no know, like like the, like the super WalMarts and like those super you no know, chains. Yeah. So it, I, I don't think that would even make up the percentage that was probably lost. No. By, no. By, especially for Hasbro, um, and I noticed also Barnes Noble. Oh, yeah. they, they they have a a much bigger like toy Lego section now. But again, it, it it'd be you can't really compare the two no. from what they probably would would have done 
for a dedicated you know store like Toys R Us. But but you spoke on the, on the distribution issue, the problem with that, and yeah, I think that's one of the things that sort of I won't say led to the demise of Toys R Us, but it, it definitely had to play a factor because. The idea of like going out and like peg hunting, you know, going to like, you know, oh. on Saturday, uh, yeah, Saturday morning, you know, Sunday morning, going out to like, you know, a list of different, uh, you know, department stores to find, you know, one item. Yeah. That way of thinking, especially when now we have, you know, online ordering, it seems almost silly to think of, you know, you doing that when I mean, you can just pop on your computer and type it in and, you know, have them come to you. Well, especially when you have a service like Amazon and if you have Amazon Prime or if you order, you know, above a certain amount of merchandise where you get free shipping, that shipping is something very important because if you can save the money on shipping, there's no point in going to a store because you're you're yeah. not going to save any money by you know wasting gas to drive somewhere just to be disappointed. Yeah, pretty much. And I mean, and I think that there's I guess there's something to be said. Maybe a lot of people still get that thrill of you know going to store to store and you know searching through the pegs and everything. Because I have spoken to a few people who said they, the reason why they they don't embrace online shopping or online toy hunting rather. Is because they, they like the idea of going out and kind of like, you know, the hunt of basically of trying to find oh, yeah. it. And, and I guess for sure, I've heard of certain people that that is sort of half the fun of it, of when you finally have it, you know, in your hands, you finally find it. But I guess, that, you know, that, that percentage of people wasn't enough to save, no. you know, to, to save Toys R Us. So. No, and uh, and what I was going to say is that the, the, the last time I remember something like that usually has to do with Star Wars when they do these, uh, you know, movies about to come out and like a month or two before they have the, 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 the Force Friday or whatever, whatever title they give it where they do put, you know, at midnight... The Midnight Madness, where they put up all the line of the toys that midnight, and people are lining up outside the store. And they still have been doing that a little bit. I remember with Force Awakens, they did it. I think they did it with The Last Jedi. I'm not sure. The Rogue One, they did it. Solo was a little bit softer in terms of, I don't know if they went all the way to midnight, but they, they have already announced for the for Episode 9, they are going to have a you know one of these midnight things where they're going to uh, unleash all the merchandise. And that is one of the few occasions I remember where you could actually go to the store granted back then i was still going to toys r us because toys r us was more organized and they, they could do that they could have people waiting outside you know they were they would give away free posters and they would have some kind of freebies to give people that were waiting and then they open the doors everybody rushes in like a maniac with walmart they don't they don't take it that serious with walmart since especially the ones i'm around here you know they're open 24 hours so it's like yeah whatever the stuff's there or it's not there if it's not there today i'll be there tomorrow you're like Dude, what's going on? Where, where's the stuff? And they look at you like you have three heads. But yeah, Toys R Us, because it was a toy store, they understood these promotions and they were a little more you know, observant of them. I honestly doubt we're going to get that anymore from something like, like a Walmart. I don't think they would, they would take it that serious. I think they would just be like, hey, the stuff's on the pegs when the stuff's on the pegs. When, when, when our stoner stock, uh, uh, stock boy in the back gets back from, from his break, you'll wait. And that's when the stuff is going to go up there. And you're like, okay, it's like one in the morning. You're like, I got to get to bed. I got to get out of here. <laughs> so I, I'm not holding my breath for episode nine figures, you know, uh, in that fashion anymore <laughs> yeah I, I remember i, I used to collect um i used to collect ma uh, the matchbox and hot wheels cars and so um when a new wave would come out you know <laughs> I, I, I remember um being you know a walmart and asking you know uh, did you guys get new settings you know, they, they were coming like the, bo the boxes you know <laughs> it, it, labeled uh, it, it would have a label on it you know mattel 
of Hot Wheels and Matchbox. And so, uh, and so I was looking around for them, you know, to see if they put any new ones out. So I asked, you know, the lady, you know, when are you going to put, when is the new release of the, of the, of the, of the, of the, the, the Matchbox line? And she, she shook to me. She's like, you know, when we got a new shipment Saturday morning, you know, whenever, whenever we put them out. Like, oh, okay. All right. Great. So, you know, you got to wait around till some guy, you know, takes the box cutter and opens up the box. I remember when I, when I, when Solo came out and I went to Target and I think they were purposely uh, loading the pegs slowly. They didn't want to put everything out there because they didn't want scalpers to come and just take everything and run. So they were putting things in waves. So I'm there and I'm looking at the pegs and there's just, there's like practically nothing I want. So I go to the guy, hey, when are, there, there's, there's supposed to be other things up for sale today. Where are they? I, I don't see them. He's like, okay, hold on. Let me go in the back. So the guy goes in the back. <laughs> He, I, I was convinced he wasn't going to come back, and he comes back with a cart full of boxes, and I'm like, "Oh crap!" So I'm like looking around. It's like I hope nobody, you know, I hope that he does. This poor guy doesn't get in trouble because I asked him to bring out something, and he came back with everything. So he starts opening boxes, and I'm like, uh, "That I'll, I'll take that. I'll take this. I'll take that. I'll take this." And I walked out. Yeah, not with a lot of stuff, but it's like I felt bad. I'm like, "Wow, this guy opened everything for me. This never happened before." And uh, yeah, little by little, you know, they, they started restocking the pegs, and I guess that's the closest. I mean, again, Target is a little more upscale than Walmart. <laughs> no kidding. And and I, I I doubt I'm gonna get that kind of service at a Walmart. That's that's for sure. Yeah, definitely not. And and I think I think that that, that even that mentality of of like you said earlier of um of having like a dedicated toy like a dedicated store and i i, I want to keep saying toys because you know it could be you know anything <laughs> that you're collecting but having that sort of dedicated store to it is i think you know gonna be disappearing you know very quickly yeah i mean i remember a, a friend of mine uh, when he was very very young he got a job at toys r us just so he could have the pick of the litter just oh, so he oh, can be the one that's in the back room and even i remember years after he had already left the you know, he was already in college and we would go to Toys R Us and he would be like, I'll be right back. I'm going to the back. I'm like, what are you doing? Don't go to the back. I'm going to the back. So he would just walk in the back like he owned the place. And sometimes he would come out with nothing. And sometimes he would come out with something. And it was like, oh, my God, we're going to get we're going to get arrested here. <laughs> and it's going to be like, well, what are you in for? Oh, murder. What are you in for? Uh, you know, uh, arson. What are you in for? We, we went to the back room to look for toys. You know, try to explain that to your lawyer. <laughs> oh, man. But now let's look at what can possibly happen for the future. Now, I know from these different websites that I go to and these different groups that I belong to, something that they've been dabbling in. A lot of companies, uh, I even heard McFarlane is trying to do another push of action figures, you know, for their movie maniacs or some other lines that they do. They do a lot of sports stuff too, where they want to be able to market directly to the individual instead, you know, by bypassing your, your, the stores that basically don't exist anymore and any gigantic retailers, because they, they probably think they can make some better money, you know, going straight to that individual. The problem with that is that again, a Toys R Us will buy, you know, 50,000 units of something, but if an individual will buy one, so you got to get 50,000 individuals to equal what a Toys R Us would be normally buying. I don't know if that math works, but it's not the first time I've heard of this, you know, method of going straight to that individual. And it's happening right now. For example, with Hasbro, they just introduced, I mean, there's always been a Hasbro store online, but now 
it's even more exclusive where you have all these rules where you pay a fee. I think it's called Hasbro Pulse or something. I forget the name of it. And you pay like a yearly fee and that gives you access to their store. It doesn't get you anything substantial. It's, it's exclusive access to buy stuff. It's like a VIP club, if you will, of access, which is like, ooh, I don't know if I like the sound of that. Right, right. And and yeah, and I can see that. I, I can see the reasoning behind that because um, the, the toy company NECA, I think they were toying around, oh, toying around, no pun intended. I think yeah. they were toying around with the same sort of idea where, because, you know, as of right now, you know, you can't, like, if you go to the NECA website, they'll display their products, but they, they always distribute it, you know, to other, to, to, to big vendors. Yeah. yeah. So, but I think they're playing around with the idea of having some sort of exclusive access where you can pay like a membership fee, like a subscription, basically. Mm-hmm. And then you can get access to their, and, and maybe for maybe like a cheaper discount rate, maybe like, maybe like, a, like a few bucks off or something, you can get access to the to their figures directly instead of going well, through a. And, um, and that idea has been circulating, yeah, I guess, amongst yeah. a lot of companies because they're, they're thinking, well, maybe we can squeeze a little more money out of that. The other thing that I've also noticed, again, people are some people love it, some people don't care, they'll spend whatever, but some people are very upset that Hasbro did. The, I don't know if you've, you've been following the story of the sail barge, the gigantic Return of the Jedi sail barge that, that is just being delivered to people now. This thing is the size of like a table. And the way that they promoted it was that they took online orders in advance. And only if, I believe, they could pre-sell 10,000 of these things, were they going to manufacture 10,000 of them. So in other words, if if they had 7,000, everybody would get a refund and nobody gets anything. But obviously they did get enough. So now everybody's getting it. It was like, it's like a $500 item we're talking about here. But... The idea of crowdfunding, a, a, you know, a mass-produced item, and if, you know, and if you don't guilt people enough into, well, you guys better buy this or else nobody's getting it. It's like, oh, okay, I'll buy it, you know. Now, granted, the, the item is beautiful. It's gorgeous. But the concept of now, you know, a multi-billion dollar company coming to you and saying, we need the money up front and we're not going to give you the item for another six months if enough people buy it, are you in? It's like, yikes. I mean, like, this isn't a mom and pop store. This is freaking Hasbro. These guys are huge. This is the, the biggest, you know, one of the Mattel, Hasbro, you know, these big companies. You know, I don't know if you've experienced this yet, you know, on, on, on some of your collecting. Uh, I, I have experienced crowdfunding, but I'll get to that in a second. To, to go back to the sale, the sale barge thing is where um, for something like that, for something so huge and massive, you know, and uh, I can actually... <laughs> I can actually see, you know, the reasoning behind, you know, crowdfunding something that on that scale. Like, I, now if we're, if we're talking about, you know, if they want to do like like a six inch line of, you know, regular figures, you know, and they're trying to crowdfund that. That's that's still ridiculous. <laughs> you know, this, I, I I can see, you know, the why that would, you know, create a problem here. But for like a specialty item like that, like something so big, and you know, it is not they're not going to sell you know eighty thousand units of that thing. They're going to you know it's going to be a much smaller run. So I, yeah. I, I can I can see them saying, okay, we would love to make this thing, we would love to get it out, but you know we have to sort of make sure we're not eating the cost of it as well. So for a big item, I, I can justify. I, I can see, okay, you know that's something I can I can see them doing. But for if it, if it was like a smaller item. Like my story is about to be about, then then yeah, that's probably something I was taking easy on. But let me ask you a question: Now that this five hundred dollar item succeeded of getting enough people to buy it, and they are going to produce it, what are the odds that they're going to probably do it again? But what do you think will be a slightly cheaper item or a more expensive item? 
Yeah, you know, that, 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 is a, <laughs> that, that is a very slippery slope that, that, you know, naturally, you know, companies are going to say, oh, we, we, we can get away with selling this huge, you yeah. know, if they spend edition. 500, maybe yeah. they'll spend 300 or 200. They, they, maybe we'll make a, you know, like a smaller skiff version uh, of it. And then, and then it'll slowly be, you know, <laughs> you know little, little micro machines that they're trying to crowdfund. Uh, you know, eventually they'll beat it to death. So if they have a good thing, they'll beat it to death. <laughs> Well, what was uh, your, what is your story with your crowdfunding? Well, I used to work for a company called Majesco, which is a video game company. Mm-hmm. Majesco did a lot of games uh, like Cooking Mama, but their their biggest game, I think, even to date, is uh, is a game called Blood Rain, and mm-hmm. it's like she's like she's sort of like this like vampire huntress, you know, um, sort of character. And okay. so there, there was never any like official figures for her, even from you know from Majesco, we we never licensed anything from for you know to manufacture toys for her. So there was this sort of early days crowdfunding site, and so they said that they wanted to sort of get money together to to, to create this like a blood rain action figure, not not even action figure, like an actual like female figure statue. Okay. So I was like, oh, cool, that's perfect. You know, I add to the collection, and because because I work there, I figured you know it would be, be perfect. I can you know put it in my case, and you know something I can point to. <laughs> so. so is this is this where I have to start playing sad music in the background? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Break out the <laughs> break out the violin. <laughs> well, well, exactly. The buy-in was a minimum of fifty dollars, and if you went higher, um, you you'd get like some of it back, or you know, some something to the fact that if they do something later on, you would get you know a discount. Like they give you like a coupon or a code or something. Okay. So I put in seventy dollars. So I was like, okay, okay, you know, that, that, that's on par with you know what I'd pay, and I'd mm-hmm. get you know maybe something later on. For what they do, a few weeks go by. You know, I don't hear anything from them, so I contact. You know, I contact the guy. You know, are you still producing it? You know, still what's, what's going on? What's, what's the status on it? So he gets back to me. You know, he's saying, "Oh yeah, we're, no, we're still we're still doing it. We're still doing it." A, a month or two goes by, nothing until Ooh. it's like six months. You know, I, I I write a very pointed letter saying, you know, okay, what is going on? I, I, you guys have had my money for a while now, and we're not getting any sort of like you know weekly or monthly you know email <laughs> keeping up on it. He never, he never messaged me back after that. I never saw, I never oh. saw the money again. The, the, the whole thing completely was a bust. Now, I, I'm not sure if they just didn't reach their goal and they folded, or if the whole thing was a scam from the beginning. Oh, so, but this is the company you were still working for? No, 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 no. This had nothing to do with the company. Like the company. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. The company, <laughs> the, the company made the video game. But okay. there was a guy who was there was like a fan of the character on the side who was trying to put together this like you know. Oh, crowdfund. I see. I yeah, see. So, Unfortunately, never saw never saw my uh, that character. You know, never made it to me. I don't think it's ever produced. I have a similar story for in a way, and this is again back when the the early days of eBay before there was such a thing as PayPal. When eBay, you would have to send somebody a check or a money order. Yep. Yeah. And I remember once I ordered this uh, Star Trek figure. And I never got it. And I paid with a money order, and I that money just went out the window. And I was I was like, oh, this has finally happened to me. You know, you hear all these horror stories of people not paying. Granted, now it's a lot safer because PayPal, you can just stop the payment and then return it to you and that kind of thing if somebody does any kind of shenanigans. But that was the danger, I remember back then, of any sort of internet thing where you were at the mercy of the, you know, you, you had to trust people, and then they could just completely screw you over. Yeah, but I think PayPal was probably the greatest thing to happen to eBay. Yeah. Those two linked together, it really secured and locked down though the buying. I mean, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure scams and those still happen. They still get through, but yeah. the PayPal 
payment method with eBay, you know, having them so closely tied together in the, mm-hmm. in the payment process is probably the best thing to happen to online buying, really. Definitely, definitely. Now, the other little aspect I want to mention about toy collecting, and it's this has to do with customizers, and I've, I've been running into a lot of this, is that a lot of times when when fans are just not happy with the product that's being pumped out there, whether the product is inferior in quality or, or like you said, distribution problems, I've been seeing a lot of people, and again, maybe it's because of the groups I, I visit, of uh, people that customize. They customize their own figures, whatever line you're into that was never manufactured, they just create them themselves. They don't mass produce them, you know, in a factory. They just hand make a lot of stuff. And I've been finding a lot of that having to do with Star Wars customized figures and also with reproduced or better known as repro parts, parts that are recreated. And I know that in the whole field of collecting, there's this, you know, you're in one camp or the other. There's one camp that says no reproductions. We don't want anything reproduced, even if it's a sticker or a gun or whatever accessory you're you're missing, a cape, you know, whatever. And then there's another camp that says, you know, who cares as long as you're not selling it pretending that it's something else and ripping somebody off if you enjoy it then buy it who cares and i've noticed again with the advent of 3d printing there's a lot of stuff now that could get remade whether it's a a, a, let's say let's say a ship and a part is broken and you cannot find that part people are making 3d printed parts for all types of accessories ships play sets that are just fantastic and you know, no longer do you have to pay $100 for a part that now you can probably buy for 10 bucks. you know, if you're happy with the quality of it. Yeah, and I have a sort of similar thing with that. And I used to, and still sort of dabble and play a game called Warhammer, mm-hmm. which is a you know, tabletop miniatures game where you have mm-hmm. little miniatures, you know, like little uh, miniature armies, basically, you know, then you, your opponent would have a miniature army and you guys, you know, fight each other out on the, yeah. on, on the, on the like tabletop. The little, like the little D&D pieces. Like the oh, little, yeah, yeah. Except, uh, like a huge are they scale. plastic or are they plastic or pewter? Uh, so here's the thing. There's some that are plastic and some that are pewter. M- oh, okay. Most of like the, like the specialty characters who, who are like guys with like lots of armor and special uh-huh. weapons, most of those guys are pewter. Um, okay. and, but more of like your rank and file soldiers are plastic. So with 3D printing, these pieces are insanely expensive. But what, one, one unit of like foot soldiers that you would have in your army, it would easily be like $45 for Ooh. one box. Uh, to put that in perspective, you probably would need – for a good size army, you probably need three or four of those boxes. And then as well as like your wow. artillery or cannons or your commander or special units. <laughs> but I have a, a, a Bretonian army, which is sort of like knights. Yeah. And the whole thing probably costs upwards of maybe a thousand dollars. Um, just the army. Yeah. And are, are they, so, are they painted or do you have to paint them yourself? No, you have to paint them yourself as well. <laughs> you see, then you got to buy the paints. Oh, you to, yeah. Yeah. Then I, you have like the, the, the paint brushes, the tools. Down yeah, the it, rabbit it, hole it, you go. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, but the thing is, with three D printing now, a lot of a lot of people are selling or try, are, you know, making basically three D prints of the licensed mm. uh, Warhammer models <laughs> and selling them. And so, you know, it, it's sort of like that gray area where you know you don't know if you know you should buy you know the three D printed version of it for a lot cheaper, you know, or do you want the official you know one that you have to buy? 
So, so yeah, so the 3D printing thing, I think, is, is playing a big hand, and that's going to be a big game changer, I think, later on. I would defend the 3D printing more for when you're dealing with items that are, you know, 30, 40 years old, where you cannot find uh, replacements. Stuff that is so old that, you know, like I said before, you, you got to pay 100 bucks for something that normally would have cost you 10 cents, you know. I wouldn't advocate, you know, something that's in the stores right now, you know, taking a scan and then reselling it to somebody else. Now, granted, I mean, if you know it's a copy, in other words, I would say it's worse if you're trying, to, if you're pretending that this thing is original and it is not. That I cannot, you know, I cannot advocate for that. No way. You're, you're scamming somebody, plain and simple. But if you're saying, you know, this thing that is 30 years old that you can't find anywhere, I can, you know, I can sell you a, a 3D version of this, uh, you know, this door from this car. If you're okay with it, live with it, you know, and that's fine. But, uh, but no, there, there are groups, oh my God, there, there are Facebook groups where they're like, if you even say the word reproduction, they just throw you out of the group. They're like so serious about the whole issue of repros that they're just a, wow, they're just like, they're out there, man. And it's like like stickers. Like, where the hell are you going to find 30-year-old stickers? They won't stick anymore. The, 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 the colors change, you know. These things, can, they, they, have, they, they die. They don't live that long. So you have to, you know, reproduce these stickers that you can't find anywhere. You know, that's- Right. And, and well, that's the thing, too, where that type of selling and buying, that has to live online, really. I, I mean, I mean oh, I'm trying to yeah. think of that. Now, for, for like buying new stuff from, a, from a, like a retailer or for, from like a – like a, a, a toy company like Hasbro, you know, you have, you know, that could feasibly survive, you know, in a store, obviously. But when it comes to like, you know, like reprints and everything, there's, there's no place you can go to, you know, unless you go to maybe like a flea market, I guess, where people are already selling their stuff. But, yeah, it's, it's, but, it's, it's, it's private sellers. It's, uh, you know, eBay, Facebook. But think about it. If Hasbro wanted, they could, they could reprint stickers, you know, they could be official stickers, but then they get the backlash of the you know of of people that own because this happens all the time. I, I read about this all the time. People people get all bent out of shape. You know, like they just announced these Hasbro Kenner vintage figures they're going to release later this year. It's like an anniversary set, if you will, of the of six figures. You know, Luke, Leia, Chewie, Han, and Vader, and a stormtrooper, I think. And some people are like their their life just ended because they're like this is going to destroy the market. And it's like. No, the the card looks different. The back is different. The the stamp on the leg doesn't have seventy seven. It has two thousand nineteen on it. How is this going to kill you? You know how how are you going to get ripped off? Are you that stupid that you're going to say, "Ooh, that, I'm going to pay uh, six hundred dollars for that"? It's like no, it's so you know it's like relax. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's also, um, and I could be completely off base on this, but I, I feel like it's also like that. That mentality where they feel like you know they have something you know special and that, that only they had access to it you know well, they have this really cool you know old figure and if you if you resupply it to the masses you know now it's not as cool it's not it's, it's so successful now that's a whole other show because that is this <laughs> that's that that the name of that show is the psychology of collecting because. <laughs> I know somebody. That would that, be part two. To, to <laughs> yes, I know somebody that gets upset when people buy stuff online that's thirty years old or twenty years old because to him, unless you bought it at the time it was being sold and you went to the store and you stood in line and you paid out of your wallet, it doesn't count. So, 
you know, if you all of a sudden decide you wanted to collect, you know, 1977 action figures, you shouldn't be, you know, you shouldn't do that because you're not an original collector. You're stealing the thunder from the original collectors. It's like, really? You really have well, the time? So, 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 so that person must really not like <laughs> online shopping because, <laughs> because that, that goes against his core values of being able to access things. Oh, please. That, know, that person is buying that person is buying bootleg stuff left and right that's <laughs> homemade in somebody's basement. But he, again, this is a part, this is another episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll put a pin on this and come we, back. We, to we, I, I've explained this before. You, you collect because you want to reinvest. Some people collect just because they're going to resell. Some people collect because they like to have them physically in, in their vicinity. Like that's, that's the type of collector I am. I want my stuff because I want it here and I want to look at it. I'm not going to collect yep. something and throw it in a closet for the next 30 years that nobody will ever see. Some collectors buy stuff and don't want to show it because sometimes they're like afraid of showing it because they think they're going to get stolen. Some collectors love to tell you about how much this is worth and they never sell it. So it's like, <laughs> well, this this thing is worth $800 now. I could put my, I could pay for my kids' books in college. Are you going to do that? No, I'm not. Okay, thank you for letting me know how much your collection is worth and you will never sell it. So again, you can write a book on the psychology of collectors and man, is there a lot of stuff out there. <laughs> and that, influ again, that has a lot to do with how you feel about reproductions and that sort of thing. So the, the people that are concerned that it's hurting the market and the value. And my collection is, I, I think my collection is worth $10,000. And now that you're introducing these figures, my collection now is going to drop to $6,000. It's like, but were you going to sell them? Uh, no. Okay, so who cares what it's worth if you're not going to yeah, sell? Yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's just uh, an, an ego-boosting, uh, you know, idea that's in your head, really. It, yeah. it has no real bearing because you're not, going to, you're not going to sell it anyway, so... Yeah, I know. But, yeah, this whole thing, I mean, it, it, again, I, I have no idea where this is going to go. I mean, are we ever going to see the return? There were some rumblings going around that, oh, for Christmas, a Walmart is going to have, like, a display area that's going to be a Toys R Us, like, express... End cap, and it's going to say, and I seen pictures. I don't, I forget what stores they had them. They were trying to kind of recycle the Toys R Us brand, and then in some foreign markets, they were able to. I, I forget if it was Canada or something. They were able to keep some of that Toys R Us stuff going, but I don't know. I don't think we're going to yeah, see it. In, in, in Canada, Toys R Us still exists. It, it's still it's still its own standalone company. Uh, I mean, not standalone company, but rather they actually still have physical stores that are still that are still there. I think it's just the United States. I think um, China. I think, I think a few of like the most the bigger countries yeah. where it folded. But there's still a few Toys R Us that are still existing out there. Um, now, rather that's going to last. Is a different argument, which is something. Yeah, I, I wanted to you know also bring up is could we like, if, if if there is a private buyer who buys you know the, the brand of Toys R Us, how feasible is it to try to bring it back and try to have another go at this? Because you know at this rate, the way is you know, and we're seeing right now with Sears, Sears is pretty is closing up. You know, all these big box stores. I think Best Buy is like hang on to this this kind of a seat. <laughs> All, all, like all these stores are closing up. How feasible would it be to try to reinvigorate and reopen now the brand like Toys R Us? You know, is it just going to be a repeat? You know, four years down the road, are we going to see the same thing happen again? 
Well, the problem with the Toys R Us is that it was so huge in terms of, remember, it was Babies R Us, and within Toys R Us, you had, like, toddler toys and, you know, younger kid toys, you had girl toys, you had boy toys, you had sports. They, they had so much that, you know, to start from scratch again, that would be, I don't know, that would be pretty much impossible, I think, to just to generate so much stock and, and then, you know, duplicate all those stores throughout the country, that, that many employees, and I don't know, that's just not, I mean... I don't know. I don't know. Are we? Are, is this cyclical? Are we going to these periods where all of a sudden these box stores will return again? You know, the brick and mortars are they? They're going to return, or are we moving on to something? Is is it? Are we continually just changing to something different? You know, having to do with the internet. Inter, is internet sales going to just blow everything out of the water? Why couldn't Toys R Us keep their name and become an internet store just like Amazon? Yeah, that'd be a good point. Yeah, I mean, you know, because we saw it with Radio Shack. When Radio Shack yeah. went under, they basically to sort of online um, online retailing. So I'm not sure why Toys R Us had... Uh, it, well, I know Toys R Us was in debt by, you know, a well, lot. Well, they had major, major problems, financial issues internal that they were, like, investing or, or lying about their numbers or something that completely killed them. But that name, just the Toys R Us name alone, I mean, I'm sure it's got to be worth a lot of money. So who knows if, if that's something they can recycle and turn into something else. Or, or like we said... Is there something completely different down the line that we can't even imagine right now? You know, can they just market directly to people? Can people just say, all right, uh, Hasbro, here, get me uh, these things. Or Mattel, I want this. You know, can, can, can they generate enough money from marketing directly to the individuals to make up what they were making from, uh, from the big stores? I don't know. Yeah, and, and, uh, and I think, like you said, they carry such big names. So I wonder if they can do like a lot of like – if they can try to have like some sort of like exclusive deals with like, because I, I know there are some sort of you know, like for certain brands that you know they 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 like I think Walmart has like for Star Wars like Black Series they have like exclusive figures and you know things like oh, that. Yeah. So so maybe so as if they want to they can have you know this obviously isn't going to carry them you know to, to for survival, but if they can have a lot of exclusive figures or exclusive toys. Well, they had know, that for a whole they, bunch of them. They had that for a long time. Toys R Us, Kmart, Best Buy, I think even uh, GameStop, Target, Walgreens. All these stores, I remember whenever either uh, Celebration or Toy Fair or Comic-Con would arrive and the Hasbro presentation would happen and then they would tell you about all these waves that are coming, they would then go down the line and tell you what are the exclusives and where you can find them. But little by little, there was just less and less and less. All of a sudden, no more Toys R Us. There's no more Walgreens exclusives. There's no more, you know, KB exclusives, you know, that kind of stuff. So I honestly don't even know what's left, you know, from the exclusive exclusivity that they would, that they used to have they used to relish that right and, and so the, the only other thing i was thinking of was that maybe they could do something where because like, like you mentioned before that Twitter was very wide like they had a very broad scope they had like babies are us you know yeah. they had like toddlers sections and mm-hmm. you know bicycles and you know stuff like that so would it be possible to have them focus on like a very specific genre or a very specific set like maybe just action figures or just Legos or something, and or, and you know, and pared down so the fact that they can get rid of a lot of the superfluous extras you know they had, right. and focus on like a specific type of collector. But the, yeah, but the question is, brand it like that. The question is, who's making that decision? In other words, I'm sure everything is is motivated by the the profit. How much money? You know, what percentage of the profit is the baby products, and what percentage is the the young Fisher Price? You know, that kind of young market. What percentage is girl products? What percentage is boy action figure kind of product? You know. 
I imagine they would have to hit whatever's their biggest and they would have to just toss aside the rest. But right. who the heck knows at this point? But hey, as long as we at least still have the internet, we can still find them. And I kind of, I, I'm almost equally now in terms of being able to find stuff, you know, not just eBay. I, for me, when it came to the internet, eBay was the main thing. And then a little Amazon. I, I did get a lot of books from Amazon, but I get a lot of books from here. But now, as far as me collecting older Star Wars stuff, which I'm still in the process of, of getting my old Kenner stuff. I'm almost getting the majority of it now through Facebook groups, private sales, you know, through PayPal. You, 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 they post it, you, you agree to the price, and boom, there it is. Uh, the majority of my stuff is all coming through private sales. That's interesting. That's one area where I haven't jumped on board yet. Like, I do most of my stuff through eBay and Amazon. But the in the Facebook groups you brought up before, and I've never I've I've yet to, to actually like dive in and you know try to like you know search around for anything I'm looking for because there's there's a whole bunch of um, Eagle Moss figures yeah. that I'm trying to find, oh, yeah. and uh, the DC collection is out of print right now, so the the prices are like steadily rising, mm -hmm. you know, higher and higher. Start searching through Facebook because, like I said, depending on what your focus is, Star Wars toys alone, especially, I'm just talking about vintage. Because there are so many groups out there that are selling stuff, but this vintage alone, I have at least, I would say, 15 groups that I'm always getting information on, and all of a sudden, ooh, I need that. That's the piece I was missing from that other ship. I'm going to go get that. If you're into Eagle Moss, I'm sure you can find... You, what ends up happening is you find one group, and within that group, they talk about other groups, and next thing you know, you have 15 groups under your belt. So I, I would suggest that because the prices, sometimes I'm getting better prices on these groups than I am. And what here's another thing that they do. And again, this is all crazy Facebook stuff. They do these things called flash sales where they do a live stream video of them just showing you merchandise. And it's like an auction. It's like, okay, this item here, it's a Star Wars X-Wing, $50. And whoever types the message first, I want it, that person gets it. Next item, boom. This is thirty dollars. Whoever types the message first gets it. So they, that, that's it, another. It's really like a live auction. Like I, right, I, but you're uh, you're uh, not bidding. You're just if you're the first to say you want it, you get. That's it. You're not really bidding again. It's just uh, it's it's how fast you can say you want it. And obviously you have to pay for it. Obviously you know, but uh, you're not really you're not bidding. You're not competing with anybody. Just the speed of how quickly. Yeah, well, you're competing on speed rather. Exactly. <laughs> And the price, obviously, if you agree on that price, boom, there it is. So there's a there's a lot of stuff like that, or there's just people that will post a picture of multiple items and then all the prices. And if you're the first person to send them a private message, and they accept it, boom, it's yours. So yeah, I would suggest that anybody who's uh, really looking into saving some money, especially when you're looking for older stuff that's that's maybe a little too expensive in eBay, even you know, there's your chance, there's the opportunity. Very interesting. So. This is where <laughs> we we are we are theorizing. You know, we we gave you our entire history of of where we started collecting, how the market has changed, and even our collecting habits have they changed uh, of different sources, and and a little snapshot into what might be coming in the future. Who knows? We could be completely wrong. We usually uh, we can never predict anything really. Who knows which way this whole thing's going to go? But as as we continue with doing these shows, you never know. Maybe we'll do that psychology of collecting show, and then boy, are we going to get some feedback on that one <laughs> i want to thank steve as usual for joining me thank you steve hey you know, thanks for having me it was, it was, this was a great one it's a fun one <laughs> thank you for suggesting it <laughs>
Okay, I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. I'd like to, as usual, thank Steve for joining me. He has a completely different experience to a certain extent of how collecting, you know, started with him and where he was able to find things as opposed to mine. But man, are we in a different world right now. Things are looking so different. We're still kind of able to find things, you know. It was much easier to be able to go into one place and just see everything in front of you, you know, to have such a wide selection of items. But it's a different world. I don't know if that will ever return again. But in the meantime, we do have some options for you guys and hopefully you'll take advantage of them and uh, just keep navigating this, this toy collecting world that we are all part of. And we're glad to be able to share our tips and our experiences with you. So on behalf of everybody here at the show, thanks for listening and hope to see you soon here at GeekFest Rants. Bye-bye, everybody. has great prices and selection on Atari games and systems, from hot new cartridges to the popular price 2600 and arcade quality 7800s. KB Toy Store, we got the toys and the price you're looking for. If you would like to subscribe to our show, send us messages, or see video links to some of the topics we talked about today, please visit our homepage at geekfestrants.com or our YouTube channel, Facebook page, or iTunes at Geekfest Rants. I don't know what we're yelling about! Geekfest Rants is produced by Carlos Perone, copyright 2019. <laughs>is part of the IC Robots radio network. Visit icrobots.com for this and many other nerd slash nostalgia related podcasts. You won't be sorry for long. <laughs>